You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 27 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds. And I'm delighted to welcome onto the line. It is uh, Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. And yourself? Well, I'm having a bit of a funny old week, I think it would be fair to say, and for matters that I'm sure will become apparent in uh, <laughs> relatively shortly. Um, I have to say, though, before we get into the elephant in the room, um, let's. Um, I, I, I want to let the listeners know, I didn't mention it on last week's podcast, but I went to Ilfracombe Town on Saturday, mm. and um, uh, they played Helston Athletic, and uh, we did a bucket collection for Devon Mind. Oh, great. And it was a it was a really it was a really fantastic day. It was a nil all uh, draw, which is one of the reasons why we won't be talking mm-hmm. about it on this week's podcast. But I mean, the game was a lot better than the scoreline suggests. I, I was thoroughly captivated um, by what we were what we were watching, and of course, um, Piran Films were filming um, with Mr. Steve Massey on the on the mic. Um, and uh, so uh, listeners can go and find that on social media to see what I mean, because it was an entertaining, enthralling game. Um, you, you will see my chubby little form wandering around <laughs> the pitch, shaking a bucket. Um, and really, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everybody, well, at, Helst- uh, at Elfacombe and Helston for their generosity. It wasn't a massive crowd, I have to say, on Saturday, and I think, I think Ilfracombe were a little bit disappointed about that, but... What they lacked in numbers, they more than made up for in generosity. We were incredibly well treated. We were well, warmly welcomed. And um, clearly the MIND um, campaign that we've been running, that partnership, which the listeners need to know, it has been has already yielded very real benefits um, to the Tool Station Western League. Devon MIND kindly put on a, an online training session for clubs in Devon and Cornwall um, to help spot the signs of of mental health issues and and provide some insight into how um you know people on the ground coaches volunteers at clubs even players you know can 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 deal with that so i i don't I, i've enjoyed all of my visits around the tool station western league supporting mind but actually devon mind are an organization that we really you know we have, have i've really taken to our hearts they have done great work for us, and and hopefully we can continue to do great work for them as well. Um, so that was a that was a real that was a real bonus. On this week's podcast, we are going to be talking to um, the giant killers, um, Tom Smith's Welton Rovers, of course, toppled high flying Bridgewater United, and Liam Greening's Shire Hampton, a team that seemingly couldn't buy a win this year, mm-hmm. and did the impossible and overcame the all-conquering Nailsy and Tickenham. So um, those are our two interviews um, for you. Before we get into that, um, I'm sure that pretty much everybody listening to this will be familiar with the fact that talks between the Western League and the Southwest Peninsula League over the formation of the Western Peninsula League. Um, those talks have broken down. That is obviously a, a, a topic of discussion that we have covered many times on the podcast. Um, regular listeners will know that we've spoken to John Paul, our league chairman, and Phil Hiscox, the secretary um, of the Southwest Peninsula League, on a number of occasions, asking about um, the progress of that uh, project and also putting to them the questions that I know you, the listeners, have wanted answered. The league yesterday issued, uh, we don't, podcasts aren't very good for saying things like yesterday, but it was Monday, mm-hmm. the 6th of February, issued a statement 
which um, I, I don't want to labour, but I, I think probably it's all the information I can give you at this time. Um, the board of the Western League can confirm that talks with representatives from the Southwest Peninsula League concerning the creation of a new Western Peninsula League have broken down. The merger between the two leagues was always intended to bring together the best of both leagues. And whilst a huge amount of progress has been made, talks broke down over the roles and responsibilities that will sit at the heart of the new league's administration. Despite the intervention of the Football Association, which we welcomed, it has not been possible to resurrect the merger. We were due to meet with representatives of the Southwest Peninsula League on the 6th of February to agree on the one outstanding issue, which is the role of the football secretary. However, this was preempted by a statement put out by the Southwest Peninsula League stating that they would no longer be engaging in any further discussions with the Western League. The Western League board strongly believe in devolving roles for fixture management, player registration and the administration of league business across a number of individuals working collectively as a team. In this way, we have been able to support each other in times of difficulty and enable succession planning as volunteers leave their roles. Combining these critical functions within one role is not what we believe to be good practice. As a compromise, we agreed that football secretary would handle registrations and transfers. We further offered that fixture scheduling could be managed between the football secretary and the fixture secretary, at which point the talks broke down. We recognise that this decision has profound implications for clubs currently competing in the Western League Premier Division, specifically in relation to their costs of travel, and for that reason we remain committed to find a solution across the southwest of England. We welcome the opportunity to discuss how this might be achieved with the Football Association going forward. We would like to take this opportunity to place on record our sincere thanks to all those individuals from both leagues who have acted in good faith and volunteered their time and expertise, having made a genuine commitment to make this merger happen. Um, that statement you will have seen on our social media. And I can tell you that I'm hopeful of getting an interview with a representative of the board of the Toolstation Western League so that we can put more questions, because I am sure, as that statement quite rightly says, that there will be many teams in the Western League Premier Division <clears throat> for whom this development has profound implications. And for that reason, it is very important that we do all we can to understand where we are today and what will happen next season. That that's the sort of the serious bit. I am. Um, I would now like to talk about football and mud on boots, and we will kick things off, Tom, on Saturday, the fourth of February, in our Premier Division, where Buckland Athletic took on a very in-form Ashton and Backwell United. Yeah, they did, and uh, they, yeah, they did really well to come away with uh, the three points. Did Buckland? A um, couple of late goals did the business for them. Uh, the, early in the second half, they did go ahead. Jared Lewington. Uh, put, putting them in front to say, but then yeah, with about 20 minutes or so on the uh, remaining, Ashton Backwell got got back on level terms, and as you say, they've been doing well recently. So I think they probably would have um, yeah settled in for a point, and that, that looked to be the way it was going. But uh, yeah, Buckland's top scorer Josh Weber, uh, he managed to to step up and put them back in front uh, with 12 minutes remaining, uh, and then there was another goal pretty late on from Kieran Bridger, uh, and uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's yeah, pretty pretty. Pretty impressive victory for, for Buckland over Ashton Backwell by three goals to one. Slightly more one-sided affair at Clevedon Town where the visitors were Falmouth Town. Mm, absolutely, yeah. This was probably, and I think um, I noted in the bulletin on Saturday, there was a lot of 
a lot of teams that uh, prevailed in the, in the closing stages, so tight games, but being decided at a death. But this one uh, definitely went against that script, and uh, it was uh, yeah, Falmouth three goals to the good uh, within within half an hour or so, uh, and it was yeah, it was pretty similar goals. Uh, I haven't actually seen them, I don't think, don't believe yet, but, I've, but having uh, having having read about them, uh, a couple of uh, yeah. Couple of corners, very much uh, in the in the same mould, ending up in the in the back of the net. Tim Nixon uh, putting in a couple of devilish set pieces, and uh, the first two uh, both headed home by uh, skipper James Ward. So um, yeah, uh, two goals within the open 26 minutes, and uh, yeah, the captain getting his head on on both of those. Uh, yeah, but Cleveland didn't really seem to learn their lesson, and uh, yeah, it was another Nixon corner. Uh, eventually uh, finding the head, uh, a couple of deflections on its way, but uh, Ollie Walker uh, nodding home a third, and as I said, they were. Three goals to get at, at halftime, and, and that was how it stayed. So, yeah, Falmouth, 3 0 victors over Cleveland. Now, we've got a six goal thriller between Torpoint Athletic and Street. Yeah, absolutely. This was, yeah, it's probably potentially uh, the game of the day. Uh, Torpoint coming coming back at the, at the death to, to grab a share of the spoils in this one. Uh, it was Street 2 1, 2 1 up at the, the break. Uh, Harry Foster there, their leading marksman this term again. Uh, he put them, put them in front with Carl Sampson also scoring before. Before the interval, as I say, putting them uh, 2-1 up uh, and, uh, yeah, on, on course for an impressive away win. Uh, and then it looked even better. Merson Ham uh, scoring to oh. make it 3-1. Yeah, early in the second half, I thought you'd like that one. Um, uh, yeah, as I say, 3-1 up. And, uh, yeah, that was how it stayed for, for much of the afternoon, in fact. Uh, 88 minutes uh, it took for Torpoint to, to, to get back into the game slightly. Uh, and that was from the penalty spot. And it was Curtis Damarell who was having a, uh, a terrific season in front of the goal. Uh, and, uh, as I say, he gave... Gave two a point a late lifeline, and uh, yeah, and incredibly, yeah, they went one better, uh, scoring again in stoppage time, and it was that man Damarell yet again, and uh, yeah, as you say, a six goal thriller, and uh, finishing two point three Street three, and finally in the Premier Division, um, last week's guest manager Dave Pearce took his Bridgewater United side to Midsummer Norton to take on Welton Rovers, who find themselves in good nick. Now I can't remember Tom whether this was your or my pick of the fixtures um, last week, but it didn't disappoint. Definitely didn't. I'll give you the credit. How about that? Uh, but it was uh, it was well new. Yeah, as you say, um, yeah, dented uh, Bridgewater's um, uh, title hopes again. Uh, another defeat for, for United. And uh, yeah, they did go, go ahead uh, in this one after 14 minutes. Jack Thorne uh, putting them put in, in front, as I say. But uh, yeah, then they couldn't maintain their advantage. Uh, Toby Cole levelling on the hour mark. Uh, and then it was in the 92nd minute. So we're, uh, yeah, we're, we, as I say, another game that was decided at death, one of those. And it was uh, Welton's Jaden Savory, uh, the man of the moment, popped up, as I say, in stoppage time. And, uh, yeah, chose the uh, destination of the three points, and that was to the home side. Absolutely right. Smithy time, that goal. Um, well, Tom Smith has been fantastic um, um, for us on the podcast. Um, always a, um, always happy to have a chat. And really, that um, standout win against high-flying Bridgewater United was all the excuse I needed to get back in touch with Tom uh, and reflect upon that game and that dramatic winner. And I just, I started my uh, conversation with Tom by asking him whether where that where that victory ranks with um, the best victories he's had as a manager. Yeah, it's right up there. I mean, when you play against teams, the quality that Bridgewater have got is always nice to always nice to get a result. I think it was one that was coming. Um, we played Mouse all the way a few games ago and pushed them right to the end as well. And unfortunately, it was them that got the last minute winner that time. Um, two good performances against Cainsham Street, wins in both. 
Um, so we were leading up to the game nicely and we knew that if we performed the way we were performing, had the grit and the determination that we'd be showing, then we, th- we felt the scalp was there for the taking. So, um, yeah, it was a great performance, great day for the team, great day for the club. Um, we've managed to beat teams in and around us quite well this year, um, but we were yet to take a big scalp. So um, that was massive for the confidence and hopefully we can use that and push on. When you went 1-0 down, did you fear the worst? I didn't. I, I, ironically, I said to the, the players at half-time, I felt more confident more confident about winning the game at half-time 1-0 down than I did at the start. Um, like I said, we had all the belief in the world at the start that we could that we could cause them problems. Um, but after going 1-0 down, yes, they had chances, but we had chances as well. We were well in the game. Um, and if we could conduct ourselves right in the second half, then we had a big chance of winning it. And luckily, the big moments went our way. Um, and the lads were fantastic, so so fair play to them, and they they deserved it come the end. Well, one all, of course, going into the into the final minutes, and you were playing obviously a you know one of the big big sides, a side that's going for the league title. At that point, would you have settled for a point, or did you want your players to push on for that winner? I would have one hundred percent taken the point. Um, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Ian. Um, no, you know you're playing against a team of absolute quality and, and brilliant players, and um, a point would have been a brilliant result. We're now unbeaten in six at home, and that obviously would have continued with a draw, um, and it would have set us up nicely for Maisel's visit this Saturday. So yeah, I would have taken a point, um, but the possibility of getting three was always there, and then with a set piece, a corner at the end, with a minute to go, you know anything can happen. When you've got players like like Scully in the box and, you know, you've got the poachers like Jaden in there, then anything can happen. And, and, and it was a brilliant outcome and the, and the scenes were fantastic. I think one of the funny things about a result like that is, of course, it's very eye-catching for everybody involved in the league. And there's a tendency to think, oh, you know, Bridgewater are having a wobble. In fact, that was actually a question that I put to Dave Pearce on last week's podcast. Um, I think if I, was put, if I was speaking to him now, it, it would probably be more pertinent. But in a way, I think that does you a bit of a disservice. We shouldn't really be talking about what's going on at Bridgewater. We should be talking about what's going on at Welton Rovers. Because this, you know, was a fantastic result for you and your players. Yeah, it was. And, and you know, no doubt Bridgewater will have back. I think, you know, as we showed last year when we were 21 unbeaten and then went on a little bit of a wobble, you know, it happens. And when you're at the top, everyone's gunning for you. Everyone wants the scope. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to keep that momentum going all the way through the season and, and it's very very rarely done so look, they've got brilliant players I I speak to Dave quite regularly he's a, he's a top bloke and you've got Reader as the assistant there as well and, and he was my manager at Wells and you know I had a drink with them after and a chat and so they've got the quality they've got a couple of players out at the moment as well that I'm sure when they come back it'll strengthen them and they've obviously got a big Vaz game coming on the weekend so I'm sure they'll find their feet again soon and you know they're a good professional outfit so um, I've got no worries about them whatsoever but yeah, you're right. You know, the credit's got to go to the players, really. You know, they dug in, especially, as you said, 1-0 down to come back and win 2-1. You can't argue with it. And, and I'm just really, really buzzing for the boys and all the volunteers and everyone at the club, really. Well, this is a point, actually, that you just touched upon earlier. But you've had three wins on the spin, um, all at home. So are you turning West Clues into a fortress? Well, I've always said to the boys, if we want to be successful this year, we've got to. Um, especially with the travelling involved with the league at the moment. Um, you know, you don't. some of the teams are unknown, some of the places are unknown. Obviously, availability can fluctuate depending on when you've got to travel, when you've got to leave. So it's really important to try and pick up some points at home. We played a lot of away games early in the season. Um, we got a lot out of the way and, you know, a lot of the home games were cancelled and it was 
coincidence, really. Um, but it's left us in a really good situation for the running. You know, we've got over 75% of our remaining games at home. So I said to the lads, if we can turn it into a fortress, if it's a hard place for teams to come, then it's only going to improve our league position. And they've taken it on board. They've really ran with it and, and, and long may it continue. Well, let's talk about that league position. You're up to 10th in the table now. Um, has that changed your ambitions uh, for this season? No, the ambitions are still the same. The ambitions were to, to make sure that, and it's probably over a, a few seasons rather than this one individual season, uh, the ambition is to make sure that we're a, Walton Rovers are a sustainable Premier Club. Um, and, look, you know, first of all, let's not go down. It's the first thing you're thinking, and as negative as that sounds, we have to be realistic. I think the last couple of times Walton have gone up, you know, we've come back down um, the season after. So, look, it was really important to consolidate in that league and be competitive with whoever we play. And we've had a few hurdles. We've had a couple of bad results early in the season, but that's only, that's only galvanised us. And, and, yeah, I think it's really, really important that, you know, we, we stick together, stick strong. And, and, you know, if we finish in a high position, then you know, so be it. You know, we're 10th at the minute. Um, we've played a few more games than a few, uh, than a few other teams around us. So, inevitably, we're going to drop a position or two. But, you know, if we can, if we can finish mid-table, even if that might, might be lower half of mid-table, then it's going to be an incredibly successful season for us. You've got Mausel on Saturday. Now, you've already mentioned that, of course, um, they beat you in dramatic style at their place. This is an opportunity to return the favour. And with them coming to West Clues, I bet you and the boys are really up for this. It's the time for the game to come, without a shadow of a doubt. I think, you know, the fact that we lost to Bridgewater down there 2-1, and that was in quite dramatic fashion as well. We scored a last-minute equaliser that was ruled out. Um, and I think the boys had that in the back of their mind as well. And, and it's the same with same with Mausel. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it was dramatic, but it wasn't um, it wasn't dubious, shall we say? It was you know they deserved it in the end. You know they took their chance at the end, but it was a really really good game of football, and they're a really good team. And uh, Jake Ash is a fantastic manager, and he sets his team up really really well. So, you know, with their quality and our momentum, it should be uh, a hell of a spectacle on Saturday. Did you learn anything from that um, trip down to Mausel that could uh, put you in good stead on Saturday? Yeah, I think you've got to. I think you know, like I mentioned earlier, playing teams that you haven't played before, I think is impo- I think is imperative that you have to learn quick. And yeah, we you know we've seen players that we haven't seen before. We've seen how they set up. Undoubtedly, they'll probably change things as as will we. Um, but yeah, we you know, I think you have to learn, and, and we'll definitely be adapting. And you know, the important thing for us is going to be you know keep keep working hard, keep the momentum, and and if we do the right things, then we're going to be a tough match for them on Saturday without a shadow of a doubt. Now, I know the last time we spoke on um, uh, the podcast, we talked about the planned merger of the Western League with the South West Peninsula League. And obviously, we reflected on what that meant for, um, for Welton because it was an, an opportunity, um, obviously, for you to visit some grounds um, that perhaps you wouldn't be visiting in the future. But the financial issues meant that um, that was an important um, consideration for your, um, for your football club. Um, in the last sort of day or so obviously the news has broken that that talks between the two leagues have now broken down over that merger I mean where does that leave you where does that leave Welton Rovers well I think is you know it's early to comment on it based on the fact that I know as much as is what anyone else does is reading Twitter really at the moment I think you know probably my my biggest eve with it is is that the issues have been Broadcasted across across the across Twitter. Obviously, the Peninsula statement in the morning, followed by the Western League statement in the evening, created some panic, created some worries within people. But there wasn't really any answers. So I feel, 
you know, if you're going to come out with that, I think it should really have some, you know, have some answers ready, ready to firefight, ready to, um, you know, put people's minds at rest. So, well, you know, my opinion on it is, you know, I've got no control. We've got no control over it. But, you know, to have clear and honest answers as early as possible, you know, clubs have got a plan. Certain clubs in step seven, six, five have been promised certain things that, you know, and they're, they're planning, you know, it's not just a case of finishing this season. You've got a plan for next season and the season after. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, my ambition as well, manager, is to make sure Welton's a sustainable club. That's easy to do when, well, it's easy to aim for when you, you know where you're going to be and you know where the league's going. But, you know, when everything's chucked in the air and promises are made and, and things are accepted and things are, you know, put in place and there's been announcements months and months ago saying what was going to happen, people plan for it. And, and, and you know, for that to be tossed in the air with no answer is, is concerning. Um, I just hope that, you know, everything's sorted out. Whatever the situation may be, I hope everything's sorted out and clubs have enough time to plan how they're going to attack it next year. And as long as that's the case, then, you know, it's going to be the same for everyone, but it would be massively disappointing if if everyone had to do what they've done again this year. Not That's not a reflection on any clubs you've got to go to down, down south. Well, the same with them coming up to us. It's just hard for clubs to sustain uh, this level that's, that's happening at the moment, the level of travelling, the level of finance. Um, so as long as people know what, know where they stand, I think, you know, people can make plans for it. I'm hoping that um, we'll be able to speak to a league official, a Western League official. Well, hopefully on next week's podcast, if if, if not shortly after that. Um, if if I could put a question to them on your behalf, what would it be? Probably just to reiterate what I, la- well, what I just said, and that is just to, to clarify what's going on as soon as possible. Um, is there plans in place for this? Is Have they got an idea of where they're going to go with it now? This is broken down. Um, you know, to announce that it's definitely happening, you would have assumed the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed, if you like, and uh, and they obviously haven't been. So uh, I think it's probably a little bit, a bit of under preparation on their part. Um, but yeah, look, just get the information out as quick as possible so that so that clubs are left in the best position to deal with it. That, that, that's all I'd have to say on it, really. Tom, um, thank you um, very much for your time. I'm sorry it, it turned into a almost pseudo-political interview at the end there. I think it would um, it's much happier for both of us when we're talking about the football. Uh, and and um, it will be fascinating to see how you get on uh, against Mausel at the weekend. So the best of luck to that and the best of luck to you for the rest of the season. Thank you, Ian. Any time, mate. Thank you. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now we'll start our look into the first division uh, with some Friday night football. And uh, we'll go to Hallam, where there were seven goals in their game against Almondsbury was and six of them went to the home side so yeah real real impressive win uh, for Hallen on Friday night uh, and it was a second half performance they'll be proud of uh, in this one uh, one all at the interval so to, to do what they did uh, after the break yeah really impressive uh, they did go ahead in the 21st minute Elliot Gardner but uh, yeah they were pegged back just before half time uh, Josh Gordon scoring uh, on his debut for the Almonds and I said looked like it set up a fascinating second half but uh, yeah in fact it was it was Hallen who stormed home uh, Ethan McMahon uh, making it 2-1 and then yeah scoring less than less than five minutes later to make it 
make it three and uh, yeah, put in a bit of daylight between the teams. Uh, and then it became the Aaron Robbins show in the last last couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, he made it 4-1 four, four uh, before laying on both assists for Greg Yard, who scored twice. Uh, recent signing for them and uh, yeah, real, well, a perfect, perfect second half performance leading Hallam to a 6-1 win over Almondsbury. Now we'll fast forward to Saturday, the 4th of February, and we'll kick things off at AEK Bocco. And I think you'll find that it was Radstock Town, the Miners, that were going mm. loco at AEK Bocco on uh, at AEK Bocco on Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Radstock, I think we can we can now officially say they were, yeah, they're definitely an improved unit over the last uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, a four-one win away from home against, uh, yeah, a team that have had a well better season so far than than, than themselves. So uh, yeah, real. Real good win, uh, seven points from a possible twelve. So I think they are they're turning turning it turning it around a little bit. And it was uh, Jack Pearson putting them ahead uh, pretty early in this one. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bocco did manage to get back on level terms, but that didn't seem to deter deter the miners. And uh, yeah, further goals in the first half from Jack Farian and Corey Rawlings uh, putting them three one up at the interval. Uh, and then it was yeah the second half uh, more of the same really. They they yeah they pushed forward and, and got another goal. Ian Jeffrey uh, slotting home from the penalty spot uh, with about. Uh, about 20 minutes to 20 minutes to go, and uh, yeah, they held on for the, the 4-1 win. Well, not holding on, they they stormed to a 4-1 win, as, uh, I should say. So another another three points for Radstock, and uh, yeah, moving up the table a little bit. Now then, to the Theatre of Cheese, um, where the visitors were Titherington Rocks, and um, well, they were certainly rocked by this outstanding mm-hmm. performance. They were, and it was uh, it was two men in particular uh, doing doing the business for Cheddar. One of your favourites, Morgan Bacon, uh, yeah, doing uh, yeah doing good things for for Cheddar again. And it was Lewis Chapel as well. He was well, he was probably the star man, bagging a hat trick. We can't take time to take the shine off his performance. And uh, yeah, both of them scoring in the first half to make it make it two nil. Uh, with uh, yeah, Chapel then scoring his second of, of the afternoon to make it three 0 just before half time, and that was uh, from a bacon assist. So as I say, they they did uh, they did, uh, did team up really well on Saturday afternoon, and uh, yeah, definitely definitely rocked their opponents, should say. But uh, yeah, Chapel then uh, making it uh, making it four nil with his hat trick, uh, and then it was yeah, Bacon who completed the route, uh, a free header in the closing stages. And uh, made it a five-star performance. So Cheddar uh, toppling uh, Tiffington. So we've had Morgan Bacon. We have. And Merson Ham. That's correct. Yeah. There's an awful lot of pig going into this There's episode. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Yeah. There is. <laughs> um, no sausages in, in the next game, unfortunately. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> right then. Um, one final game uh, in the first division, and um, that uh, Nailsy, that's Nailsy and Tickenham against Shirehampton. Of course. These are two new sides um, to the Western League this season. Uh, Nowsy and Tickenham have been really storming um, uh, the first division. Um, Shirehampton have certainly been going about their business very, very competently in their first season. But I think pretty much all of us would have assumed that this would have been a routine home win. Not how that turned out. No, it didn't play out like that at all. Uh, Shirehampton, yeah, I think they'll, have, uh, they'll be happy with their season. But it, recent form, obviously, that's been... You know, a um, lot, lot of postponements going on for certain teams, so it's it's tough to, to run a gauge of form. But, uh, yeah, they had had a, a four-match losing run coming into this one, so even even more unlikely. But to, to win 3-1 away from home at Nails in Tickenham is a yeah, fantastic result. Uh, but they had had a tough set of fixtures, to be fair to them, so it, uh, Shirehampton, that is. So um, it, it's not a surprise that they'd uh, been winless recently. Uh, but, yeah, they made a, a stormy start to this one as well. Scott Bamford putting them in front after just six minutes. Uh, but Luke Osgood, one of uh, Nailsy's uh, many, many uh, uh, prolific goal scorers this year, heading home on the cusp of half-time to, to level affairs. 
and uh, yeah, to say another game that, that set up beautifully going into the second half, and uh, yeah, but it was it was Shirehampton who pushed on. Uh, Ryan Radford uh, putting them back in front, and then Bamford scoring his, his second of the afternoon, uh, just after the hour mark, and uh, yeah, completing a pretty pretty memorable victory. So uh, yeah, good things uh, on the horizon for Shirehampton. Well, um, Liam Greening is the main man at Shirehampton, so I thought this was a good opportunity to get him on the uh, the podcast and uh, have a chat about what's been going on there. And this interview, listeners, really didn't disappoint. It's a fascinating, eye-opening experience into um, to what uh, Liam and his team have been up to. It's not been an easy Christmas for Shirehampton. Before Saturday, they hadn't had uh, a win in 2023. So I started my conversation with Liam by um, asking whether he thought that first win would realistically be coming at the hands of Nowsy and Tickenham. I had a little bit of a laugh about it, really, for the games we'd lost and we've been playing. Um, obviously, going into that game, and to be fair, we had no goalie on the day either. We had our striker playing in goal, George Brinson. Um, so it was one of them, we're going there thinking this could go one or two ways <laughs> and uh, luckily for us it went away well positive it was positive and we got the we got and we deserved it as well to be fair we got went back to playing how, how we how we were um sort of before this break um which the weather played its part obviously I think we played four games at five games since November so um but yeah it was nice it was it was very nice to get out win on Saturday but I did we expect it? We're always capable of it, but the way things are going, it, it, yeah, it was a pleasant, it was a nice victory, um, a deserved victory on the day, but it was nice, yeah. So it was a case of you playing well rather than them playing badly? Well, we played them earlier in the season. I mean, going forward, I think they're very strong. Um, and I felt the best way for us, I feel, with our front players that we have in Scott Bamford and Ryan Radford, uh, we're also very strong. So I just wanted to play on the front foot and get the ball, sort of put their defence under a bit of pressure, really, and put them under pressure further at the pitch to try and not, obviously, not not let their front players have much of the ball. And, to be fair, it worked really well. And don't get me wrong, in the first half, we rode our luck a couple of times with a few challenges, uh, a few uh, chances that they missed. Um, but at the same time, we missed a few as well. So it was quite an open game. They scored just before half time. Um, and yeah, they, a draw in at half time was probably fair. But second half, I think we played really well. We, 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 like I say, we played on the front foot, we put their defence under pressure. And uh, we didn't drop too deep. We didn't allow our front players the time to get on the ball. And on the day, it worked. Um, they're a very good side, very good. And, and attacking-wise, uh, there's not. They're, they're very strong. Um, but I back us in an attacking sense as well. I do think we're, that's our main. That's our main fear. I think we're, we're really good going forward. So there's two good attacking sides, and like I say, on the day we came out on top and. Scott and Ryan scored the goals and and that was a difference really because there is a big difference between that result and obviously the games I mean you've you've alluded to it already the games against sort of Hengrove and Almondsbury and FC Bristol um, yeah well I mean what, what what's been going on then I mean is it a personnel issue or you know from what you've said I well, mean maybe the ma- magic ingredient is sticking your centre forward in goal yeah like and to be honest with you the, 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 the run we went on 
was all when we were struggling with injuries. We got all our players back and we haven't won a game. <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you make of that what you want, but we, we were struggling. We've been struggling like hell with injuries. We really have been like backs to the wall. Throughout that run we went on that got us to the Oldland game, whereas if we'd have beat Oldland, we'd have gone fourth above them. And then, to be fair, on that day, we, we should have been 3 0 up in so the first 20 minutes that day. And then we did suffer injuries that day to Luke Berman and Richard Brightwell, who both came off defenders. And Luke had been a, a massive signing for us in terms of balance as a left back. And and we were looking we were looking solid. We were looking good. And we lost them to during that game. Um, and we. Yeah, we we lost five two in the end. As I say, we could have been, we should have been three 0 up at that point. But them injuries killed us, and then obviously that's led into the next four games beyond that. I mean, we lost to um, Oldland again then in the County Cup by the same result five two, um, and we did. We were at Oldland on the day deserved it, but they changed their team as well. To be fair to them, and we did change ours. Probably not got the strength or depth of other teams. Um, and then we didn't play then, and we went to Warminster with, and, and literally we were to the bare bones um, away at Warminster. I think it was a Friday night, I believe, and we won two 0 there, and that was a, a magnificent performance, really, for what we had on the pitch. A lot of young players, and then we didn't play again for a few weeks. And then we've obviously had the, we were three 0 up against Brislington on Boxing Day, and lost four <laughs> three um, again. Uh, obviously got to half time and it was, a, it was a disaster of a second half um, fitness came into that and that was players coming back from injuries maybe coming back into the team and like Brisbane's are a very good side keep the ball well and again we 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 sort of hit them on the counter three times and were 3-0 up and surprised everyone including ourselves and then just couldn't hold on to that one and then FC Bristol we were very poor Hengrove poor Almondsbury 2-0 up and lost 3-2 very very poor for a second half there um, and I can't really put my finger on it if I'm honest um, this is a difficult one but, but I just we needed to get a result and hopefully we can kick on from that, that win Saturday which was massive well I'm fascinated to know how you're going to get on against um, Portishead, you've got them up next and then I guess I, you know, we, we, we probably won't even learn too much from that game because um, then it's Longwell Green on, on Saturday, so I mean from yeah. what you've said it's been a real lottery for you but I guess if you can build on Saturday's win, um, that will put you in really good stead um, you know, uh, for those two matches Yeah we've got good, like so We've got to where we where we've got to um, through through sheer hard work. There's no doubt about it. We've got ability at the top end of the pitch in Ryan and Scott, who I, I've mentioned previously, and I don't think there's many better than them two, if I'm honest, uh, in the, in the league. Or it, they're up they're up there with other teams that have got good strikers, 100%. Um, and then behind that, we've got good players. But but you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't work hard. You're not going to get anywhere. And we've worked. I said to him when we went um, out Saturday, we've gone from being the hardest working team in the league to a hard working team, which is still good. But we've got to find that extra. You get to find that extra with hard work and graft. And if we can, we can do that. And and with our forwards, and we can work hard behind them. And them two forwards are probably the two hardest working players we have in our team as well it gives you a great platform because we've got ability in our in our change room 
Um, but w- there's obviously money in the division, and there's players with um, experience, and that would that 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 some people would prefer to have. But I, I, I like having the honesty of our lads, and I like the work rate. And I think that's what got us to where we were. And we've just dropped off. We're not. We've not got lazy we're, by any means. We're not lazy. We've not. I can't really fault their work rate, but we've just dropped off maybe ten, twenty percent in our work rate, and we're not good enough probably to do that. So without that hard work, we're an okay team. But when we are the hardest working team in that division, um, and and we've got ability, we can be sort of a, a very good side. Um, and I think that's that's what's happened so far this year. Um, and by no means have them results come because we haven't worked hard, because we have. But there's fine margins in work rate, and I just think we've maybe not been at the levels we we were when we were on that run. And Saturday, we were. And the result stands out at 3-1. So that's what we have to take into our next two games this week, which is Porter's Ed tomorrow night and... Uh, Longwell Green Saturday, and let's see let's see where it goes. Um, it's it's a difficult one for a football club because for many years they've been in the county, obviously the county leagues, Gloucestershire and Somerset, and they've won probably eighty percent of their games every year. And they're not going to get that in the in the Western League. It's a different challenge, and they have to accept that you're going to lose games. By no means losing three games is it a crisis. It's, it's what's going to happen at this level. No team will go and win. Well, there will be teams, but very rarely will you have a, a side that you just dominate a league and beat everybody. You can have them knocks. It's taking a bit of adapting and getting used to, I think, and picking the players up after a couple of defeats and going again. But hopefully the confidence will come back now and... Like I say, we'll see what happens tomorrow, but we won't get anything unless we unless we work hard or as hard as we possibly can. I'm glad you mentioned um, the competitive nature of the first division. It never ceases to amaze me, season after season, when I'm doing these interviews on the podcast, and we do see in the first division, it really is a, it's a league where any side can beat any other side, and 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 regularly uh, do. And I guess I you know I suppose your result on Saturday just goes to prove that yet again. But, um, I mean, what have you made of the standard of football since you've come in? Are you, you know, are you impressed? Are you finding life in the first division as exciting as you'd hope? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think I've been in the division before, obviously with Roman Glass. So I kind of knew what to expect a little bit. And I do think that there are people who felt we should have gone into it and carried on where we were in the leagues below, which I was certain that wasn't going to happen. I knew I knew my targets for this year, and we're on. We're we're sort of uh, we're we're there with that at the moment. With however many games left to go, um, I think it's a strong league. I think it te- it's a, a league that can surprise people with results. But four games ago, I don't think our victory against Nelsie would have been a surprise because we were flying. And then all of a sudden you have a couple of bad results. Like I say, they, they do come. And then all of a sudden uh, you don't turn into a bad team because of free results. It's all about how you can bounce back and how you can react to their losses because they will come at this level because there are good sides, as, as, as I've said, and as you've just said. And I do think as a league where you have to expect 
um, your knocks and your knockbacks and it's how you react to them and it's how you come back from them. I mean, when we went that 12-game run, we started the season well. We had horrific free results against Tengrove, Tiverton Rocks, and it was another game I can't remember we lost to. And then we, we bounced back and then went on them 12, that 12-game run. And it's all about mentality. It's not about, I don't think, getting too down when you lose and getting too high when you win. Like At no point during that 12-game run and when we were in the heights of fourth place, did I f- start talking about, oh, yeah, title challenges. Or it was, you just take game by game at a time. And likewise, in them last three games, again, I said it to the lads Saturday in the change room before the game, there's no crisis because we've lost three games. You're probably going to lose another three games before the end of the season. It, it, it is what it is. It's the level you're at. And it's all about when you have these bad days, bouncing back from it and not folding. And I think, if you drop your heads and you get too down about a defeat, you'll lose the next one. But you just got to dust yourselves off and go on. Like I say, I don't think I think any game you look at, if you if you were a better man, you'd struggle to put your mortgage on any game in early because anything can happen in, from the top to the bottom. I, I do truly believe that, and I think that's a credit to the teams in it as well. I think it's it is a strong division. I mean, you're seventh in the league at the moment. Um, are you looking up or down? No, just happy. I don't look at anywhere, really. <laughs> um, like, in, in the space of two years, when I went to Shire, they were mid-table in the county league. And then we've got promoted last year. We've had floodlights put in, uh, granted permission at Pempole Lane, and we're seventh, I think, joint sixth, is it? Seventh in the... In the first division, in two years, I mean, if someone would have said two years ago, take Shire to sixth or seventh in the first division, looking at playoffs and whatever else, and people would probably have laughed at that at that time. Six, seven years ago, by the way, Shirehampton had a team there of lads who were fully committed to the club, but they couldn't quite make the step up because of facilities. So in one sense, I've been lucky that I came in and I've had to bring players in because obviously six, seven years ago, people age and people's uh, commitments change. But in terms of looking where we're going next, I, I, Porter's Head tomorrow night, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> I can't really look past that. And I don't really want to look, look past that. And I don't, I don't want to, like I said before, I don't, if we beat Porter's Head tomorrow night, I'm not going to look at that league table and think, oh, oh, this is getting close now. And I mean, even with the restructure that, that's gone on in the last few days, people are talking about promotion places and all that. Of course, you're going to talk about it while you're up and in, in and around it, but that might not even happen now. So <laughs> it's, it's all up in the air. You just, just, just game by game, really. Get Porters out of the way tomorrow and look out, look forward to Longwell Green uh, after that. I think that's the best way to do it. And my thanks to Liam for his time. Now, Tom, we will take a look at the um, the, the upcoming fixtures. Well worth keeping an eye on the midweek schedule because, of course, all the weather postponements we've had means that we do have plenty of midweek um, football, which probably by the time most of you listen to this mm-hmm. will have already happened, so we won't dwell on that. One game we certainly will kick off by previewing is the FA Vars fifth round tie. Perhaps... Bridgewater United's recent travails in the league may be due to the fact that they've got one eye on this monster clash uh, against Ascot United. That taking place in the FA Vars fifth round on Saturday 
the 11th of February and we wish everyone uh, at Bridgewater United the very best of luck as they are the sole representatives of the Tool Station Western League in that competition. Uh, Tom, which game in the Premier Division has caught your eye? A couple of the winners from, from Saturday afternoon have gone for Welton. Uh, obviously, uh, fresh off the back of a, uh, a big win over Bridgewater. They take on Mausel, who look to be uh, yeah, really hitting their, uh, hitting their stocks at the moment. A 5-0 win for them on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, two sides uh, going at it. And, uh, yeah, I think Welton have been pretty decent at home. So, um, maybe Mausel, uh, Mausel not going there with, uh, with a, a big win on their minds, but just to, to bag the three points. But I don't think it's going to be particularly easy. But, that's, yeah, that should be a good game, I reckon. I think a very competitive game on Saturday will be Falmouth Town against Buckland Athletic. And Buckland doing well in the league above Falmouth. But Falmouth, of course, and Buckland, to be fair, both winning at the weekend. So I think both will go into that game fully uh, expecting um, to be able to win it. Uh, I think it will be competitive and um, be very interesting to see who comes out on top in uh, in that game. Uh, we'll take a look into the first division. Tom, what fixture have you gone there? Plump for Warminster against Nelsie and Tickenham. So obviously we've just touched on uh, on 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 the swags. Uh, Nelsie and Tickenham. A uh, yeah. How will they bounce back? Tough trip for them, I reckon. Uh, Warminster won three of five, I believe. So uh, yeah, decent. Uh, decent. Another, well, another another top side as likewise with with the pick I made in the Premier Division. Uh, yeah, decent fixture where a top side go to a, a tough away game. So I think uh, be interesting to see how Nelsie and Tickenham get on at Warminster. There's a few games I could have gone for in the first division. One game that um, caught my eye was Wincanton Town against Brislington. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Wincanton, and we know how good Brislington are this season. Mm. I think that could be a really good game, particularly as Wincanton are at home. Um, but the one I'm going to go for is Wells City against um, FC Bristol. Wells still very much in the title hunt, and um, FC Bristol, we know on their day, you know, absolute Galacticos, um, some real Western League royalty they're, they're putting out. So, you know, if, if, if they've got a strong side, I think that game, they could certainly cause an upset. I think that would be a really cracking game to watch. So that's my pick in the first division. Now, last week we did the um, league tables. Uh, so this week, Tom, can you run us through who our hotshot goal scorers are? Yeah, so what we're gonna we're gonna quickly look at this week is the uh, the top scorers in all competitions. Um, so obviously this is incorporates both leagues and then Les Phillips Cup uh, action and, and some of the, uh, the the local cup competitions as well. As I believe obviously it all comes from the uh, FA full time website. This this information, but yeah, so we've got Luke Bryan of Odd Down top of the top of the pile, uh, twenty five goals this year. Uh, he's leading the charts. Uh, we've then got Jack Fawn of uh, Bridgewater, uh, previously of Nailsie and Tickenham. So uh, across both clubs, he has 24 goals so far this year. Uh, Curtis Damrell of Torpoint, also on 24 uh, after his uh, brace on the weekend. Uh, and then another man who got uh, a couple of goals uh, on Saturday afternoon, Scott Bamford. He's up to 23 uh, of Shirehampton. Uh, and then a couple of chaps on 22. We've got Adam Wright of Wales and Sasha Tong of FC Bristol. So, yeah, that's uh, the top uh, the, well, the chaps so far that have got 20 goals uh, so far in all, all comps issues this season. Excellent stuff. Of course, as always, Tom, we have been reviewing your excellent bulletin. Um, where can the listeners find that? Yeah, indeed. That's on the uh, Tool Station League uh, official website. If you scroll down sort of a couple of uh, couple of steps, it's on the, the left-hand side of the page. And that'll, yeah, that'll take you to the, uh, the most recent document. And that comes out every week. So, yeah, that's on the uh, Tool Station uh, website. That's excellent. Tom, thank you, as always, um, for your time. And um, I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station.
Western League podcast.